0: the 80s drew on, the metal music world began to change immeasurably. Domestic bands began to lose out to a flood of acts from America, bringing with them either lush melodic songs, Great White, for example, Motley Crew, and Bon Jovi, or the belligerent thrash of Metallica and Slayer and many, many others. These were the bands that began to dominate the music papers, the radio stations and the record shop racks, and UK bands found themselves swamped in the deluge. The independent labels, like NEAT, found it hard to keep up with these changing times. It didn't help that their flagship acts were no longer part of the equation. Raven had left the label in 1984, moving Lockstock and Barrel to the States and inking a deal with Atlantic. After their triumphant gig, supported by Metallica and Anthrax at the Roseland Ballroom, and Venom was seemingly in disarray, with Mantas leaving in 1986 and a new-look four-piece band signing with Film Tracks for Calm Before the Storm. Mantas released a solo album for Neat and Kronos returned for a solo album of his own, neither generating the attention nor the sales of Venom at their prime.
1: Initially, we disbanded in the back end of the 80s. Jeff came to me and said, look, I can't do this anymore. I'm not into this sort of music anymore. I want to play rock. And he, he subsequently did. He's other albums that came up with very soft rock albums, like White albums. He said, "I'm not fired by it anymore. And I said, well, you've got to do what you want to do. with." I said, we're on the rise. Other bands are coming up and coming ahead of us. We need to be as strong as we can to defend that. If you're not up for it, then me and God would have to find somebody else that will do. I left in 86.
2: I was the first one to get out of it. My first thoughts of leaving actually were immediately after the recording of Black Metal. It was getting so bad back then. I thought, well, but obviously stayed a lot longer, but I did eventually leave in 86. And even the Reformation, which came in 96, well, we played a show in 95 as a warm up to the Dynamo. We played the Warcraft Festival with Machine Head supporting. And then we played the Dynamo Festival. We headlined Friday evening. But even that Reformation of the, uh, the original lineup, we still couldn't stay together.
1: I used to go drinking with a guy called Jimmy Clay, and Jimmy was a a blues guitarist. And I said to him one night, I said, would you want to play in Venom? And he says, I don't think I'm heavy enough to play in Venom. And I said, well, I think I've got that cupboard. And I had this girlfriend in America, and she had an agency, and asked her to send me over a tape of some guitarist. At the time, Van Halen were, but doing big stuff. I said, I want a flashy American guitarist who's heavy but flashy. And I want to partner him up with this guy, Jim Clare, who's a traditional English blues rock guitarist. And I want to try and, out of the two of them, get something that fires us up. And that's what we did. Because we'd had five years with Jeff, we said the last five years have merely been the calm before the storm. So we called the album Calm Before the Storm. And there's some good songs on there, and it was, it was just that it was a bit too light for denim fans. We were playing properly, the sound wasn't as muddy. Some of the stuff was still pretty heavy. I was getting a lot better, I think, by that time of playing drums. Some of the drumming on it's quite good, considering what I'd done before and since. And we rehearsed properly together, and Jim and Mike knew about intonation, and knew about being properly in tune together. I think we played it in a proper key, whereas Conrad and Jeff had more or less tuned to each other.
0: As the 80s became the 90s, The label was floundering and had lost its metal identity and was releasing any stale of music to try and keep it afloat. It was former Tiger Jess Cox, whose band had launched Neat, that helped to get things back on track.
3: Why don't we start the metal label back up? That's what I know big time. I'm trying to flog these pop bands and I'm not really getting anywhere with them. I mean, we're getting lots of press, but we're not making any money here. So he said, well, look, why don't we get together? Let's let's, let's start a new label, a new company. So we started a new company called Men From The North Limited. We became partners and we relaunched the whole metal thing. He's saying, we've got this Blitzkrieg album recorded, but never released, called An Holy Trinity. There's this other one here by a band called Cheater Accident, which was an American band where I licensed it. All of a sudden, we have four albums. So I thought, well, we'll make a compilation as well of bits of them and launch it for the compilation. Instead of we're calling it Neat Records, because we went a bit poppy, let's make sure people understand that we're serious in and it's metal. So we called it Neat Metal Records. And at the same time, unbelievably, as happens, this guy came and knocked on our door, which is Steve Beatty, said, I'm starting up a distribution company called Plastic Head Distribution, and we love neat records. And we we're saying, that's funny, because we're just thinking of starting up. This is what well, we'll take, we're doing five hours. Right, we'll have them. All right, well, you would be the distributor. So we pressed them. We had no money. It's a case of like, we just pressed them, see what was, and what was sold. We were able to pay the manufacturing bill. And then we had a bit of money left. We thought, oh, well, we'll make some more. So we just went on
4: from there. And, and For 10 years, it was very intense. We had interest from a couple of companies who were looking further afield to build their catalogues. You know, I'd been in this business for a long time. I mean, by this time I must have been mid-50s. So I'm thinking, oh, well, I've done all this and if these people are interested, we should perhaps talk to them. So we eventually talked to Sanctuary Records. They said they would like to buy the catalogue. So it seemed a good time to do that. That's how NEAT moved into Sanctuary.
0: Now that should have been the end of the story, but it's far from it. Bands like Raven never gave up and despite a rocky patch with Atlantic have carried on, worked extremely hard and they have forged their own path
5: they didn't know what to make of us we did an album that was a little more commercial than the one we did before and it did pretty well and the whole thing with the management and with them and the producer was like let's do an album that's really commercial and we did an album that was very commercial we had a very outrageous glammed up image at the time and it didn't sit well with the audience and they didn't support it they were all full of oh we're going to do a video and do it and no we're not giving you any money not doing this as well you basically just pushed us out on the boat and you're just letting us go hell with this? and um, we ended up doing an EP that was more hard edged and then another album that was very heavy and they had no idea what to do with that either. And at the end of the day, we just said we want off. So we just looked at it as a learning experience. But coming out of that, our drummer Rob quit the band. He just got married, had a kid on the way and didn't want to be on the road and told us through a third party. I'm out. I said, oh, great. Well, we had drummers before. We'll get another drummer. So we did. And we just pressed on from there and went through a whole bunch of independent labels to the point where where major labels don't mean a great deal anymore now anyway, so it's worked out for
0: us. In Europe, dedication to the new wave of British heavy metal and the bands from that era had never waned. While back-home interests seemed limited, bands like Raven who'd never really gone away and those who were beginning to think about reforming to scratch that itch one last time, and they found the festival circuit across Germany, the Netherlands and Greece and this pathway gave their music a new lease of life. Suddenly, bands who'd been dead and buried for years were reuniting, playing and recording again.
6: I forgot all about it, really. I sold all my stuff another guitar to my name, wasn't interested, just went about normal life and I got a phone call out in the blue in 1999 saying there's a big festival in Germany called the Wacken They were interested in the Tigers playing a, a 20th anniversary reunion show and I was interested. So it couldn't take less than a nanosecond and I said, yep, yeah, I'm in. I said to my poor wife, I'm going to have to go out and buy a guitar and she said, really? And I said, yeah, I'm going to do it, I'm going to try this again, to which I'm sure she put her head in her hands. And so when I went out and started buying guitars and amps and all that kind of stuff again Went out and did the show, I just got well and truly bitten by the rock and roll bug again, really, really badly. I thought, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to do something here. So I uh, had to think about everything, and uh, early 2000, I decided to put a new version of the tags back together again.
0: Having returned from a European festival, Alexia's Phil Denton thought about staging an event in the UK, and in 2006 launched the British Steel Festival. And that ran for several years. In the audience was Stuart Bartlett, who returned home to Newcastle and created Brofest, a northeast festival that celebrates classic rock, heavy metal, and extreme bands with a focus on the new wave of British heavy metal. It was first staged at Northumbria Uni in 2013.
4: Me, Martin, and other stew kinda of just got sick of going to other countries to see these type of bands and we just had this really bad idea of booking a festival ourselves, <laughs> and it kind of snowballed from there we tested the waters a little bit we had a, a couple of gigs that we'd booked we set up like a promotions business and it kind of led on from there so we had a few gigs and then we were like why don't we try this and see what what happens As people are quite stupid, we have a stupid sense of humour, as a lot of people have probably noticed by the promotion that we do, by the graphic designs that we have, which are all ridiculous (laughs) and over the top. The merch that we produce is always quite ridiculous as well. And we decided that we all wanted to shout Badge and chant Badge at the festival. So we asked Badge to play <laughs> and it kind of just went crazy from there. We had loads of travelling fans, we had loads of bands asking where, bands getting back together saying we're going to come play the festival. And then seven years later, it's still going somehow. <laughs>
0: As a result of festivals like Brofest, many of the great new wave of British heavy metal bands have taken to the stage once more. Fist, fronted by a new singer, Glenn Howes, headlined in 2014.
1: The Brofest, that was quite intimidating for me because Fist is a really well respected band. The original singer Keith Satchfield is a well-respected musician. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm a fan of him myself. But basically, that gig was really important because it it was a sort of do-or-die situation. It was like, um, if if I didn't nail it, the fans wouldn't like it, and then I'd probably be out, and I'd probably just go anyway, if you know what I mean. So it was really important that I actually covered that gig properly. So luckily for me, I did. I managed to sort of nail it, and and the fans accepted me. And it is actually as important as that, because if they hadn't accepted me, I just wouldn't have lasted.
0: Bro Fest has served up, amongst the named bands that have played their stage, some of the greatest bands the Northeast have ever birthed. Avenger, Battleaxe, Black Rose, Blitzkrieg, Fist, Warrior, Tyson Dog, all of these and more besides have appeared there. In 2014, Atomcraft elected to play their debut album, Future Warriors, in its entirety. Vocist and bassist Tony Dolan, the Demolition Man, brought former Venom and Empire of Evil bandmate Jeff Mantas Dunn on stage for a rendition of Atomcraft classics, Pour the Metal In and Heat and Pain, which fueled the fire of another Venom reunion. The first
1: instances of it were at Brofest, and I was there, and I was at the bar. People coming to Brofest from all over. and the two big German guys stood there with black metal patches on their back. And one of these guys was Oliver, who did a gig in Germany called Keep It True, big festival. April was Keep It True, and somewhere in between the two I got a phone call of Oliver, and he said... Jeff and Tony are playing again. If I pay for your flights into hotels, would you come and do it? Yeah, I'd do it. What is it? Well, half an hour. They go on, do half an hour of their songs. Yeah, you, know, you get up and do half an hour of Venom songs. Oh Yeah, I'll do that. Tell them to get in touch and send us the songs and tell tell us what they want to play. And
2: then he mentioned the Abaddon thing and I straight away went, nope, no, I don't want to do that. Tony persuaded me to do it. We went there as iron and steel, but everybody was you know, still saying, no, worries, no it's just, primeval version of Venom. Really. We had no rehearsals. I refused to rehearse. Us. Nope. These are songs that have been around in excess of 30 years. Everybody should know how to play them. So we meet on the day and we play the songs. I even said to our drummer at the time, Francesco La Rosa from Milan, that um, if there was any fuck-ups, he was to take over and, and finish the set.
1: They played the setting of this little breakdown in the middle of the set and this this intro tape started and I went on and I jumped up. And the crowd went absolutely apeshit. The crowd went crazy.
2: I hadn't been introduced,
1: I'd just been special guest or something. And the crowd went absolutely nuts. And we crashed through this set, came off and started signing records. And there were lines and lines and lines of Germans and Swiss and French and Italians, all with these huge stockpiles of Venom albums and singles to be signed. And I was just like, this is like, this is amazing. This is like back to the heady. you know, this is back to what happened the first time. And Tony Dolan, who was a singer in the band, his phone's ringing off the hook with people saying, do it again, come and do that in China, come and do that in, in the Philippines or in, in Australia, as we eventually went, come and do a full American tour. Come and go back to Europe, come on, let's just do it. Everywhere's open now.
0: Just as in the 1980s, the scene is much healthier overseas than in the UK. Attendance at BroFest from northeast audiences is vastly overshadowed by travelling fans.
4: A lot of the fans, are the foreign guys, I guess a lot of them didn't actually have the chance to see these bands, either because they're young or just because of where they live. The bands never really travelled to certain parts of Europe. I think there was quite a big scene over in Belgium and Holland and maybe Germany. We get a lot of North American people coming over as well, which they never, ever had the chance to see them. A lot of the fans are quite young as well. Most of the bands i booked broke up before I was even born. So <laughs> but we very rarely get people from the Northeast, which is such a strange Strange thing, especially when a lot of the bands that are playing are all local. And on twenty
0: sixth of march twenty eleven, the Evening Chronicle reported on the demolition of the Borough Theatre on High Street East Walls End. Bit by bit, a doomed theatre is finally being torn down. It had been empty for several years and was in a poor state. In the short article, nowhere did it mention that the theatre had been home to Impulse Studios and Neat Records. The scrappy and scrapping independent record label that became the most prolific heavy metal label in the UK. Neat may be gone, but it left its mark. And the bands that came from Tyneside and Surrounds were indeed heavier, faster and louder. They were proud too. Proud of their roots, proud of their region and proud of their legacy.
6: For a region, that I think we've done very well. We've some incredible talent, whether it be in heavy metal or rock or pop. You know, from the likes of Sting, Prefab Sprout, the Pet Shop Boys, to Geordie, Goldie, a little old band called The Tigers of time. People say Birmingham was, was a big heavy metal town for,
2: for producing acts, but I think Newcastle's done pretty well.
0: No-one puts it quite as eloquently as Mantas.
2: Newcastle, there's a great musical legacy and heritage there. Get out, take that Newcastle roots further out, get out into the world. There's a few bands out there who have done it, and I'm proud to say Bands one of them. Where we're I'm from, we're from fucking Newcastle.